VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Welcome to the When to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. We're going to get you right into this week's conversation with Kelly and Laura Moffitt, co-founders of Kieran Finch. It is a Brooklyn-based uh, apparel company operating online. Kelly and Laura were in marketing and in teaching before taking the jump and getting into clothing to solve what they feel like was a really big unmet demand in the market, uh, which they will get into. A fascinating story on many fronts, particularly around how you can go into something completely new and totally scary uh, by going with your gut and listening to the little voice. So without further ado, I'm going to take you right now to my conversation with Kelly and Laura coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. Kelly Moffitt, Laura Moffitt, co-founders of Kieran Finch, thank you so much for joining me on the When to Jump podcast today. Thanks so much for having us. We're really excited to be here. Oh, well, it is a pleasure. And uh, these are some of my favorite types of jump stories when, when you really can't make up the, uh, the transition that was made and the before and after in terms of what, what you both used to be doing and what you're doing now. I'd love to just get right into it and hear a bit about what life was like before you started Kieran Finch. And, and we'll get to what Kieran Finch is later. I, in my former life, was a teacher. Um, and Laura worked in marketing. And they could not be farther from what we do today. Um, you know, I spent my days uh, in elementary schools around New York City. Yeah, this is Laura. I was in marketing and pharmaceuticals. So it was a pretty much almost 180 degree difference to what I do today. You know, I was thinking about uh, science and drugs and molecules and marketing pharmaceuticals. And now I'm thinking about fashion design and running an e-commerce business. So it certainly was a big transition. Where did the idea come from to switch up what you both were doing? I mean, you talk about being in marketing and teaching. Those are pretty solid careers. They, they have a trajectory. They have a path. Where did the idea start to bubble up that maybe there's a voice inside saying something different? You know, yeah, this is Laura. So I come from an entrepreneurial background. Both my grandfather and my dad started uh, businesses, albeit in the travel industry. So I'd always kind of had this inkling of wanting to start my own business, wanting to be an entrepreneur. Um, and we, Kelly and I are married to each other, which brings, you know, a whole other set of challenges. But, um, in 2014, we got married and I'd always wanted to take a break from work and travel um, because I'm from Scotland. And so I think P Europeans are a bit better at traveling and taking breaks than Americans. And I'm happy to say that because uh, um, and I'd always wanted to take a break. And so finally, when, when we got married, we decided to go traveling for a while and just kind of explore the world you know, spend time together, go into different cultures. And so we both actually quit our jobs to do that. So we'd already quit our jobs, which I think for most people that are making a leap, um, thinking about doing something different is one of the hardest things. And so because we'd already quit our jobs, we were thinking about what are we going to do when we go back? Are we going to go back to our jobs? Should we do something else? Um, and we started thinking about business ideas. And I think the process of getting married for both of us in terms of choosing the outfits that we wanted to wear, neither of us like dresses. And so as someone that doesn't wear a dress, a wedding can be incredibly stressful because what do you wear when you're a woman that doesn't wear a dress? Um, and I think it was that during that process of researching what to wear, we realized there was a huge unmet need in the marketplace for, you know, women and other individuals that don't necessarily dress 
uh, you know, either in women's wear or men's wear, or maybe looking for a men's wear aesthetic, but designed for people that have curves and hips. Um, and so it was during that time we realized there was an unmet need and decided to, you know, take a chance and see if we could fill the market. Wow. It, it seems so easy to talk about starting something like, you know, right with clothes because we all wear clothes. It seems so obvious to me, you know, and if you go to your website, which we can link to later in the show, it, there's just so many great kind of points you make, which, you know, one of my favorite articles you, you mentioned is why do women's pants not have pockets? You know, that to me, that that's like, wow, why don't women's pants have pockets? And I guess the the thing I think about is, you know, that's a good question, but I'm not the person to solve that because I didn't grow up figuring out, you know, uh, tailored dimensions and measuring people and working with fabrics and knowing fashion. It doesn't sound like you guys did either. What was the bridge that you had to cross if you were going to actually answer that question? How did you start? Where did you start? Yeah, I think it's interesting because so many people not that long ago actually making clothes was something that was super common, right? And people did it in their homes and they did it for their families, but neither of us literally had any idea uh, about what went into making clothes or how to do that. And um, we really had to teach ourselves. Uh, luckily, we found uh, some amazing mentors. We took a lot of classes. Um, for example, FIT offers a great continuing ed program. And, you know, we just said, okay, we, we see this business opportunity. We are the customer really that is this unmet need. We did a whole bunch of market research. Luckily, there's more than just us out there, but we really had to teach ourselves and, and, you know, I work on more of the production side of things. And today I thankfully know a lot more, but I remember the first time we went to a fabric show and we're looking at stuff and I mean, we had no clue. We just knew that there was a problem that we wanted to solve from a business perspective and we had to figure out how to get there. And one of the things that we needed to learn how to do was figure out how to make this stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of businesses are started because the founders have identified a need in their life and then have used that to propel a business idea. And I think that the really cool thing about, I think, today is there's so many resources, if you're willing to look for them, to help you start a business. You know, there's Small Business Association. There's all kinds of courses online. You literally can teach yourself anything if you are willing to kind of uh, do the hard work. Um, and I think it can seem daunting at first, but if you really do understand the customer, I think that's the number one thing. Then you can accomplish anything because you're serving the needs of that customer. And to boil that down a bit, when you said you, you did your market research, you tried to understand the customer, obviously, more than just you two. What, what did you do to get started? How, how granular was that first step? Was it just a Facebook post to find out who else had this problem? Was it a knock on a neighbor's door in Brooklyn? Like, What did that look like? How did you actually get into action? Because I imagine that must be kind of scary when you're trying to figure out if it's just you or if there are other people that care about this. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. We, at the time, this was about three years ago um, when we started the business, we obviously we had ourselves, we knew there was uh, some unmet need, but we actually conducted an online uh, survey um, and also spoke to lots of people, did one-on-one -on -one meetings with people that we felt were potentially in our demographic. Um, we did a lot of competitive research. We did primary research with, you know, potential customers by doing a survey, but we also did a lot of sort of secondary research to understand the size of the market, you know, what other competitors are out there. Um, and then also, I remember, this is kind of a funny story, we wanted to do primary research, but we only could, you know, 
you know, get in touch with, you know, people that maybe we knew or that friends of friends. One day we decided we were going to do sort of guerrilla interviews in New York City. And we went to a bar um, in the West Village with like a, Kelly had a, a, clipboard. a clipboard with like a little <laughs> survey and we offered to buy people a beer if they would answer our questions. And I think that they thought we were a little bit crazy, but it was kind of, you know, that's the kind of thing that you do when you're a really small business and you're starting out. You try to think of creative ways to, you know, find out information that don't necessarily cost, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. I would recommend in hindsight, though, asking the bar owner if you can do it, especially if it's a really small establishment, because you will probably either get asked to leave or or get some nasty looks. So just forewarning. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. The clipboard in a bar. I, I So was there what happened to the bad feedback in the bar if people were like, oh, that's a stupid idea. Or, I don't have any feelings about that. Or why would you do that? Or it's already being done. Was it all... Did you not get any of that? And if you did have that feedback, what'd you do about it? I think we used it a lot. I mean, it certainly validated our idea um, without a doubt, but we also used it as like directional, like where we should go with products and that kind of stuff. So it wasn't just like, hey, we want to make menswear inspired clothes. Like, what do you think? It was like, what is it that you want? Right. And we've really used that kind of motto throughout our entire business. And I think that that is what attaches us so intimately to our customers is that we're constantly really speaking to them and saying, what is it that you want to see, right? And especially as a small business, right? You you probably have relatively limited resources and funds and like you need to, you need to use your time and energy wisely. So you really want to make sure that what you're producing is what they want. And if you keep asking those questions, you know, people will speak to you and they want to be heard, especially if it's it's a true unmet need for these people, right? And and the audience that we are serving, this is something that they've been craving. I know because I can speak for myself, right? But like people reach out to us all the time are like, thank you. Like I literally, this makes me feel like who I am, like genuinely, like my outside matches my inside finally. And so they're willing to speak to you if, if they care enough. Wow. I mean, that must feel so good. And how long ago were you guys holding the clipboard in the bar? What, did, what year was this? Uh, we started the business in 2015. Uh, so about three years ago. It was, a, it was middle of 2015. And did you say when you set out, you know, whether it was financially or emotionally or, or even socially, the pressures of feeling like, okay, we'll have this much time and then we will move on? Or, you know, you get back from this trip, you want that you have this idea. How much time are you going to give yourselves to see it through? You know, we have those conversations very often, I think, sort of every three to six months, we'll have a conversation and we'll say, we'll check in like where we're at, what do we think, Um, you know, because you're a small business and you're growing, but you're also looking at your margins and you're thinking about how big is the marketplace, like is there room to grow? Um, So I think we're pretty realistic with that. And I think when we started the business, we sort of, I, I think at the time we probably gave ourselves a year, like let's see where things are in a year. And then we would kind of again, okay, let's see where things are in a year. Um, and I think you just constantly evaluate and you decide, you know, based on where things are at, like check in and make sure you, you understand your business and make sure you know that you're going in the right direction. I think also one of the hardest things in the very beginning was also feeling like you were moving towards a goal. And I remember like every, literally every Friday in order to feel like we were Mm. like moving forward in order for us to feel accomplished, we had a check-in at like, you know, 2 PM on a Friday or whatever. And it was like, okay, what have you done this week? Right. And like, have we moved this business forward? Is this still a good idea? Is this still what we want to be doing? And it would literally be like, I networked with this person, (laughs) right? Like, and, and, you know, obviously networking is boring, but like, it was like, I had a phone call 
all. And it's like, and, but that is what it is, like those little baby steps. Right. And so like now maybe they're bigger steps and that's like what keeps us going, but it's like keeping, continuing those things. I also think that's one of the hardest things about being an entrepreneur. When you have a career and you're in a business, you're working for a company, you know, typically, unless you're the CEO, you have a boss, somebody that is making you accountable, that's making sure you're going there every day, making sure that you're, you know, setting goals. When you're an entrepreneur, you're the only person that's, that you're accountable to. And I think that can be really challenging unless you, you set goals for yourself and you set goals for the company and try to achieve them. Um, and I think that's something that we've tried to do like often is to say, you know, where are we? What are we going towards? Are we doing a good job? Um, and how can we be accountable to, to each other? Well, I think that, I mean, we talk about this a lot, those, those tiny little micro movements, but I think you're right. It is such a game changer. You know, I'm, I'm sure, especially from being a, a teacher where you, you have a lot of structure, right? And you've got a lot of people expecting you to show up this time and then go home at this time to kind of break that down and be your own boss. I was just having a meeting actually earlier today with someone talking about how hard it is and what people don't see about being your own boss that you have to get comfortable with. I think part of it, like you said, is this responsibility piece. Um, Part of it is the motivation and then feeling like you're moving the ball forward. What were the hardest days like where you weren't feeling like you were meeting any of those pieces and you felt like maybe it was time to to hang up the towel and and why'd you keep going? I think um, one thing that personally for me uh, was really difficult was when we were working from home. Um, I found like mentally that was really draining because there was no real separation, especially obviously because we're also a couple. So like there was no, like I'm going off to do this thing, right? And to be able to like, look at your couch at 2 p.m. and be like, oh, maybe I'll just lie down here for 10 minutes, right? And then it's like, you just like, it just zapped my energy. So I I found it really helpful to like get out and like be in an office space. And we actually joined an incubator um, relatively early on when we were pre-launch. And I found like the, just like the camaraderie of like going through it, right? With other people to be able to like bounce off ideas and that kind of stuff that I found really helpful to, to keep that ball moving forward. I think also, so just in terms of the dynamic between the two of us, <clears throat> this is Laura, I'm sort of the eternal pessimist and Kelly's sort of the eternal optimist, which actually in the end works out to be sort of the perfect combination. You know, I'm, I'm sort of, I have do it, definitely have a hard time motivating and feeling like the business isn't moving forward. But at the same time, I'm very detail oriented and looking into the finances and looking into the data and like understanding that stuff. But then it's really helpful to have Kelly because Kelly's very optimistic and she's the one that kind of pushes us forward. So I think the other thing that's really important is to find a business partner that can compliment you, that can help motivate you, that can, you know, help sort of make up for your weaknesses in a way. And I think that's been really important for us because we've sort of complemented each other in a way that's been really helpful to move the business forward. I would argue that it's not making up for your weaknesses, but perhaps being a yin and a yang. Sure. (laughs) There you go. Well, I think you need both of that. I think that oftentimes you end up, you want to find people that are like you. And I think that uh, the most successful jumps are made, whether they're with a co-founder, whether that co-founder is your partner, or if that person is just another employee or a colleague, uh, you, you you almost want to 
add strengths together and, and fill in some strengths where yours, you know, don't show up and vice versa. And I remember, you know, I often have the optimism hat on, which probably wouldn't come to a surprise to many people, but I, I usually need that balance of colleagues of mine and people I work with and even advisors who can kind of keep a foot on the ground and, and not be, not rain on the parade, but as I'm sure you described, you know, being able to step back and maybe see the blind spots where I might not see them. And, you know, it's kind of a meta thing because we're running a community of people taking jumps and I want to be leaning forward, making the risk, this and that, but you, you need someone to kind of also, you know, see, like I said, see the blind spots. So it sounds like you're able to do that together. Yeah. And I think that you make a really great point about, uh, you obviously need to pick a really strong business partner for yourself, but also having strong mentors for who you are that are going to push you in the right directions and like ask the right questions. Cause not everyone is going to ask the right questions for you. And how did you find those people? Cause that's such a big question of how do you actually get, get those folks in your corner? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of like dating in some ways, right? Like we started out in the in the very beginning and was just like, all right, you know what? There's a whole lot of amazing, really, really generous free resources out there. And Laura alluded to many of them, right? Score, Small Business Association, whatever it is that you find, right, in your community. Um, and like, try them on for size. Um, and we kind of had a, a bunch of different mentors for different things. And so what we eventually did was we consolidated that into kind of our, uh, the, the incubator, uh, accelerator program that we joined, but you know, everyone brings something different to the table. So understanding what their strength is and utilizing them for that, I think is really important. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's really good about being in an incubator or an accelerator is you're there with other similarly sort of staged businesses. So, you know, we were part of an accelerator that was design and, and fashion focused. And so when we needed to find like a label maker or somebody that could sew a certain thing or hang tags or any of these little things, or what do you do for your Instagram posts? We could literally go and ask, you know, 10 different businesses what they do. And I think that having that shared kind of community uh, resource is completely invaluable because you're all coming at it from a slightly different point of view and you all come into it with slightly different expertise. Um, and I think being able to have th that be a sounding board also, also from a motivation perspective, it's they're all in it with you. They know what it's like. They're going through the kind of whatever you call it, the valley of doubt and the, um, the you know, the highest high. And so being able to see that in action is really helpful. Well, wow. I think the the big piece too is any of these people will just make it feel less lonely. And I think when you when you jump alone, you end up feeling. I think that all of those fears, like you said, is it getting moved forward? Will this work? Like you can really talk yourself into a whole lot of harm without someone around you. So I think the bottom line for those listening, you can choose to jump with someone, have people around you, but don't do it alone. Exactly. Right. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, what, what comes naturally, I guess, to me and the next question I would ask is once you start to get that feedback and you actually have to then make something, what's this next step? Like, where, where do you go from saying, okay, people, sounds like people want this. The clipboard, you know, questionnaire is going well. The, uh, the people are speaking and now, and now what? 
So we actually decided to, um, so part, as part of the accelerator, there was also a place where we could manufacture some samples and clothing. And so we were able to find some really skilled, you know, pattern makers and designers to help us bring, you know, we had a vision for something, but we're not drawers or designers, at, you know, at the time. And so we, you know, partnered with people that could help us bring our vision to life. And then what we decided to do to sort of launch our business and, and basically, test the marketplace was to run a Kickstarter campaign. And I, I think this has become a very popular way to, to launch a business. But I think it's really helpful because you can, first of all, you can assess the demand for your product. You know, you can kind of test out the marketplace, like what people want. And the other thing is it's a great way to kind of fund your first run, sort of production run. Um, and I think being able to dip our toes in with a Kickstarter was a great way to start off. Um, obviously we've come a long way since then. Um, but for us, that really worked, um, because, you know, it gave us a lot of information that we wouldn't otherwise have had. And then also Kickstarter is a great marketing platform too. Um, we were lucky to become, you know, like a project we love or a featured project. And so we were exposed to a lot more, uh, customers that we would have, wouldn't otherwise have been had it not been for Kickstarter. And I think that your audience will be more forgiving because they know, you know, you're going at this, you're giving it your best shot, you're going to do the best. But like inherently as a Kickstarter backer, you know that like there's a disclaimer, right? Um, you know, in good faith. Mm -hmm. And so you take the idea, it starts to work on Kickstarter. I mean, that must be very exciting to be meeting more and more people outside of now just that neighborhood bar or people that you know who want you to do well, but getting random people you know, at a bigger scale saying that you really should do this. Uh, at what point did you think, well, it's still scary. Maybe I'll put it on the side or were you all in at that point? I think we were, once the kicks, once the Kickstarter happened, um, we were all in, I think in the very beginning of a business, when you're validating it and you're, you're really just trying to like make the idea come together. It's an incredibly exciting time. I actually think running and growing a business is much, much harder than starting a business. That's sort of my, my personal experience. I think like figuring out if an idea works, getting off the ground, getting some initial excitement, like that's incredibly fun and exciting. I think once you start to get into the nitty gritty of running a business and making, making it viable and growing it, I think that's actually much harder as an entrepreneur for, for me anyway. Well, Laura's saying is she would love to be a serial entrepreneur. So if there's anyone out there <laughs> that's looking for a slightly pessimistic business partner, she's in the market. Yeah, I'll start, <laughs> I'll start any business. <laughs> no, but I think, I think that uh, what she alludes to, right, there's that like that burst of excitement, right? And then it's like trying to figure out like the details of how to make things come to life. And that's actually really where I thrive and and like that I enjoy more of like the 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 daily as might she might say is minutia. But you know, it's that's reality. But there's like, you know, there's I think similar to life, right? There are ebbs and flows and you hit these like peaks and valleys where maybe you have to like find a new manufacturer or you need to like, you're creating a new product, right? And like, that's part of what makes a business um, come alive. Yeah. I think the challenging thing as an entrepreneur is you're often sort of this one man band, right? We're not a one man band. We're kind of a two to three man band, but you know, like it's really exciting. You're coming up with a business strategy and you're talking to customers and you're coming up with this product. And then six months later, you're writing thank you notes and, you know, you're folding envelopes and you're folding shirts and you're, you know, you're kind of doing like what Kelly said, like the kind of daily run of the mill stuff. Um, and I think you have to figure out the balance of, you know, that being 
you know, cause you obviously, you might not have the money or the, to, to afford somebody to do all of that. So you have to be willing to kind of do everything. And some of it's not necessarily going to be the sexy stuff. Some of it's literally going to be folding a product, sending it to a customer, replying to an email. Um, and, and I think that's the thing that people don't think about when they want to become an entrepreneur. They think it's going to be this super sexy career where you're going to be coming up with all these cool business strategies and really cool designs. Um, but then it does come with the kind of daily minutia of running a business. And that is what our community is all about. Is the uh, So then I guess, and one point I want to bring to light, because I think you made a lot of really great points there, just to, to parse it out. I think, as you said, each of you have your own specialty and focus on, and really passion of of what part of the jump to take, you know, for uh, for some, it might be that early phase of getting that aha moment, being at the bar or putting up the Kickstarter and just making making the product market fit come together, as they say, and bringing it together. And that's like, that's awesome for those who are out there thinking like that's the spark part that is. And that's that could be what makes people tick more than anything else. You know, for others, there's another side of the coin, which is what happens after and they're you know, they, they may seem diametrically opposed, but they actually are both critical for any jump to work is that, that kind of that aha, maybe the voice clicks, you get some validation and then all of the stuff afterwards, the minutia, the details, the process, the thank you notes, the folding, like all those things you said. And I think what sounds, and this goes back to the team point that you have to have is someone, whether it's you loving both, if it's just you or in a team, one person that, that can say, I can't wait to do the, the nitty gritty and the other person super excited about continuing to find new sparks or, or continue the same spark for your, for your jump to, to work because without, without either of those sides of the coin, nothing really can, can go from there. Absolutely. And that was more of a monologue that I felt like I had to give because I always have to remind myself of that fact. Yes. <laughs> no, no. And I say absolutely. I don't say that lightly. I mean, I think that you're, you're absolutely correct, period, and stop. <laughs> well, we've said it all. Now we can move on to the next point that I want to ask you guys about, uh, which is where you are today. Uh, you know, people can check you out, and we'll put this in the show notes. KarenFinch.com, K-I-R-R-I-N-F-I-N-C-H.com. You're doing all sorts of things. You've got storytelling on the site. You've got um, an amazing kind of ambassador and model crew. You've got actual products, of course. They're made in New York City. Describe, I mean, how does that feel to be three years later you know, I guess on the other end of listening to me rattle off these things about you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really exciting. It, I mean, it is. This morning I had a conversation with Cal and as I said, I'm the the pessimistic one, but we were looking kind of at our, our sales for, you know, the November and October. And I was saying to Kelly, like looking last November, we did eight times our sales from this November versus last November. So you know, regardless of whether I'm pessimistic or or whatever, like our business is growing. We have lots more people visiting our website. We have lots more sales. We're, you know, converting. So I think that it is really exciting. And the the thing that we get a lot, which I think is a big compliment is we're, so we are a team of three people. We fulfill all our own orders. We ship everything from our office space, but we often get you know, emails to the Kieran Finch shipping department, or, you know, people think that we're a really big team. And I think that is a compliment to us because I think we tried, you know, as a small business, it's really important to to project yourself in a, in a way. And I think that that is, I'm complimenting myself here that, you know, I think that we're doing really well and that we should be proud of ourselves. And again, I'm 
talking to myself right now. <laughs> I'm going to actually take this recording home and like put it on loop for Laura. Um, but no, and I think, I think you're right. I think like pr- the projection of a polished service doesn't have to come because it's a team of 20 people, right? If you do your, your job and your part and you, you're all in, you can do it effectively with the right amount of people for you. Wow. How does it feel to just wake up every day? And, and, and honestly, like what, what goes through your mind? What is it? What is a maybe, let's say a day look like? I don't need maybe that granularity, but I think a lot of people are like, okay, do, does this mean you've made it? Like, you know, you, your sales have grown. That's been tremendous. You've grown your operation. You have a third person involved. What now is, is it, you know, are you sailing free? Well, We'll put in a, a big uh, disclaimer. We have two twin uh, twins that are a year old. So when we wake up in the morning, uh, <laughs> the sun is not up. <laughs> yeah, it might be 5 a.m. Someone might be crying. We are we are probably not thinking about work until we we leave the house. So right now we're raising a young family also is running a business. So I think that comes with its own challenges. Uh, sometimes getting to work is like, is kind of like a break in a way. <laughs> um, but I think if that is something that is a reality for someone that is listening, I think that, uh, we are very fortunate. Um, our, our third wheel here, their name's E and like, we would not still be in business without them after the last year. I mean, that's like, they're amazing. And it's finding yourself a team that you surround yourself with that like supports you and uh, allows you to have two babies at once <laughs> for, for better or worse. Um, but what does our day look like? Yeah, we've, we've got an office that we're super excited that we just moved into. Um, it's about two and a half times larger, uh, than our old space. Um, and I coordinate with the production team. So to make all this stuff actually go from like the ideation to an actual product, um, that's kind of my role. Um, Laura is usually sitting at the computer. Yeah. And what do you do behind that computer? I Laura? sit behind the computer. That's my favorite place to be. I'm looking at Facebook ads. I'm looking at click through rates. I'm looking at my cost per conversions. Um, you know, I'm thinking about email campaigns that we're going to put out. I'm just always thinking about creative ways that we can get the word out about Kieran Finch um, so that we can grow the business, improve our, you know, margins um, and, you know, get more customers to know about us. Yeah. And he's the the face behind the general, the, the customer service emails and the, the thank you notes that go out and, um, we still, with every single order, we write a handwritten thank you note. Um, and I think that it's something that we feel like is really, it's obviously time consuming and, and it, it's something that we think though is important to keep those, those high touch points with our customers. Yeah. And I think that's, a, you know, we're kind of at the point as a business where you, st- you have to start thinking about what are you going to keep in house? What are you going to outsource? And, you know, right now we've decided that we want to keep everything in-house because we want to have a really high touch with our customers. But as you grow as a business, it becomes a challenge because you have to, in some ways, let go of things that maybe you don't want to because you have to become more efficient, that you have to be, you know, more streamlined. And so we're, we're having those conversations about certain things right now, but that those are the challenges that, that you face as you start to grow. Good problems to have, I'm sure, but still, you know, things to think about. Uh, Kelly, Laura, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I know how busy it is with a startup and with with so many, and especially with actual physical products to kind of work on design to get out. I, I think the mission of Kieran Finch is 
uh, is one that needs to be shared, and I hope our community can check you out. Uh, where I mentioned the website, where else can folks find you? And maybe what advice would you give to others who are thinking of a jump, and maybe others with with uh, a family that they're that they're raising, and with you know uh, a timeline to do it on, and feeling like you know is it possible? Yeah. So we ha- our office space is based out of uh, Brooklyn, um, and we actually encourage people to come here all the time. We have visitors, especially when people come from overseas, they'll, we feel very flattered, but they'll email us and say, Hey, can we come in for a visit? Uh, to, you know, I don't have to deal with international shipping. Um, so we encourage that, uh, at any time. Yep. And you can find us at karenfinch.com. We're also on all social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. you know, and our handle is just Karen Finch. Um, in terms of advice, I think that the hardest part well that's why your podcast is called you know starting the or the jump because that is actually the hardest part i think when you're thinking about starting a business idea the hardest thing to do is actually make that leap right like once you've made the leap you're sort of past this big obviously there's a lot of things that you have to do at that point but the leap is the hardest thing in some ways because you're accepting the fact that you're going on a path that's going to be challenging and you know that that path is going to have lots of ups and ups and downs but when you say yes to that path you kind of forge forward. So for me, just taking the step for steps forward, whether that be doing it as a side thing or, you know, quitting your job, like just start, like start making small steps towards it. Um, because if you don't start, you'll never get there. Um, and for me, I would say one of the things that I found really helpful was to clear my headspace before we started this. So whether it's two days or nine months, right? To be able to take that time for a second, if you decide to quit your job or, or do this on the side, but just to like clear your headspace before you get into it. Because I know that like, I would not have started this company if Laura hadn't basically said, you know what, like, I really, I think we should give this a shot. Um, and I, I, I believed in the idea, but I also believed in the career that I was doing. And it wasn't that I was like, unfulfilled or, or not happy, or, you know, I, I felt like I was making a difference, but, um, the idea of doing something completely of our own really intrigued me. And so to be able to, to have that physical space, once I had quit my job to, to clear it, I was able to kind of say, okay, like, let's, let's do this. Let's try this out. And you know what, if it doesn't work, like, I will always have the ability I know to be a teacher and I'm confident in my abilities there, but I don't know what this holds for me. Well, I am certainly glad on behalf of many other happy customers of yours that, uh, that follow the brand and your story that, that you're exploring what this may hold for you. And it certainly is a journey. Uh, Kelly, Laura, I hope we can have you back on the show at some point. Thank you two so much for joining me, for being a, a role model for, for parents and for small business owners, clothing folks everywhere. I, I hope people check out your story more online and really appreciate you spending the time and joining me on the When to Jump podcast. Great. Thanks so much. We had a lot of fun. Thanks so much for having us. All right. I hope you enjoy that conversation with, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kelly and Laura. Check out Kieran Finch. It's K-I-R-R-I-N-F-I-N-C-H.com. An amazing jump story. Super exciting to see just how they've taken the idea, listened to that voice and grown with it. 
That'll do it for this week's show. You know where to find us. We love to hear from you. Wentojump.com with all of your questions, ideas, jump stories. Look out for us on the newsletter. Sign up for it at wentojump.com slash newsletter. Follow us on social at wentojump wherever you go on social media. Thanks so much for joining. My name is Mike Lewis, and I will see you next week. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.